Father's Day, in case you didn't get the memo. Uh, and we're blessed here with some of the most amazing fathers. I mean that. When I first came here uh, many years ago, one of the things that attracted me most are we have an abundance of godly, Jesus-loving men. And uh, they could be a thousand different places here today, but instead they chose to be in church. So we want to appreciate and honor you this morning, all of you fathers, grandfathers. Would you please stand right now? We want to appreciate and honor you right now. Please stand. And some of you would like to sit like instantly, wouldn't you? But we're going to pray for you, okay? And if you have a father nearby you, would you just stand next to him, put your hand on his shoulder, uh, uh, just let him know you're standing with him, you appreciate him, you love him, go ahead, nobody should have uh, not somebody nearby. Yeah, Balcony, you're going to work extra hard to make sure that happens up there, right? Okay? Because we're going to pray and ask God's blessing upon each of these fathers right now. Let's pray together. Lord, I, I want to stop right now and pray for each of these fathers standing today in your church. And I'm asking for the best of your blessings on each of these fathers and grandfathers today. Lord, might they know they're not alone in the role you've called them to. Might they rely on your power, on your presence, on Jesus Christ in them to press on even during the hard days. Lord, would you show them how much you delight in their work and might their identity come from who they are in your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, help them to lead and protect their families well. Lord, help them to know that none of their efforts or sacrifices have ever been missed by you. You see it all. So, thank you, Lord. Uh, and I pray especially for those men and their children and their grandchildren, some of them are under attack even right now, today. Give them wisdom on how they can fight for their families. Give them endurance. Lord, might they never give up or quit because you have a plan and a purpose for each and every family represented here. We believe that, Lord. You've never failed any one of these fathers or grandfathers and you never will. So we hold on tight to you even during the really hard times. Lord, would you make these fathers hungry for a strong and a daily relationship with your son Jesus? Lord, would you make them hungry for your word? Help them to find a time where daily they can dine in your book. Lord, give them a passionate faith that's infectious, that the other members of the family are going to want to follow. It's in the wonderful, precious, matchless name of Jesus Christ that we pray all of these things. Thank you, men, for standing. We appreciate that. Thanks for being here. Please locate on your phones or in your Bibles the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. Luke, chapter 15, is where we're going to be today. Uh, this is probably like in the top five of my favorite passages in God's Word. And, and I have to be careful because I'd be... I'd be preaching from Luke 15 like uh, a couple times a month if I'm not careful. So I actually checked it out. It's been uh, seven years since I've been here. So happy I, I gave it a little bit of time, 
But now I'm excited to get back into Luke chapter 15. This is the chapter, Luke 15, where Jesus talks about lost things. Things that are lost. And he says uh, in chapter 15, verses 3 to 7, he shares about lost sheep. And what's interesting there is he says the shepherd loves the sheep so much that he's willing to leave the 99 to go after the lost sheep. The one that's lost. And and he's going to keep looking until he finds that lost sheep. Joyously puts the sheep on his shoulders and carries the sheep home. And then he says, this is what it's like when Jesus finds a lost sinner and everybody is celebrating. Because someone who was lost has been found. Next he talks about uh, verses 8-10 to of chapter 15, a lost coin. Uh, This is one day's uh, wages for an average worker in that society. So I would liken this, she's just not lost a quarter. You're thinking, why is she so upset? Uh, She's lost a $100 bill. So she's got 10 of them, but now she's lost one of her hundreds. And now she's really uh, sad and she's energetic to go find the $100 bill that's lost. She lights a lamp, she sweeps her house, she carefully searches until she finds it. And then when she finds the $100 bill, she's rejoicing. It's not just she's happy, but she's telling, I found my lost money. She's so excited. Today, Father's Day 2019, we're going to examine, again, a powerful passage, I believe. One of the most powerful in the Bible. It's lost sons. It's the lost brother. Um, And we're going to look specifically today at the lost younger brother. Give me your eyes. The older brother is just as lost as the younger brother. But that's for a different message, okay? So we'll we'll hit that again sometime. But I just want you to understand, we're going to focus today on the lost younger brother. But the older brother might actually be more lost and more difficult to find. Uh, chew on that a little bit. Say la. Would you please stand with me if you're able? Let's read out loud together about this lost son. And, and note how the father deals with his son who was lost. Uh, we'll start with verse 11. We'll read down through verse 19. Let's, let's read together. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons, The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out, to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. 
I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Let's pray. Lord, thank you uh, for caring about lost things. Thank you for caring about lost sheep and lost coins and lost sons. And we pray appreciation and gratitude that you cared about our lostness. My lostness, Lord. You sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to planet Earth to seek and to save the lost. Which is every one of us here today. Everybody here watching online. Everybody here right now today physically, Lord you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to seek and to save us personally. We praise you for that. Help us to see in this passage today your heart regarding each and every person that's here. And help us to see your heart regarding each and every person who's far from here and really would not feel comfortable right now where they're at. Help us to see your heart towards them as well. Speak, Lord. We're listening. We're listening today to your word and to your spirit. We invite you to come and take charge. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one united voice, There was a father who had two sons. It's Jesus telling the story, right? And uh, he, he says there's this younger son who has the audacity, the moxie, we might call him the spoiled, selfish bratness, to actually ask for his inheritance before his father was dead. Chapter 15, verses 11 and 12. Uh, Deuteronomy 21.17 tells us that the firstborn son, the oldest son, would get a double portion, which meant two-thirds of the estate is going to the older brother. The younger son is asking for his one-third share of the estate. Deuteronomy 21.17 says you, you get that after the father has died. Okay? The shocking issue here is the younger son is asking for his share while dad is still living. That, that's the element that should hit us. Saying in essence, dad... I'm weary of waiting around for you to die. I know I'm supposed to just sit here and be quiet, uh, but I want my inheritance now. I'm sick of this sleepy little hick town. I'm so weary of waking up early and milking the cows and tending the fields. I despise all of these religious rules and regulations that you expect me to be and live up to as a good little Jewish boy. He's saying, I want to go out and sow my religious Jewish wild oats. That's what he's saying. I want to go out and I just want to go to the big city and I want to party hardy, is what he's saying to his father. Um, he, he's saying, Dad, I'm tired of waiting. I wish you were dead. Uh, give me the money and you'll never see these eyes, you'll never see this face again. That's That's... That's what his plan was. A couple of cultural issues that you need to be aware of. 
This was a very patriarchal society. In other words, uh, whoever the oldest man, the father, the grandfather, uh, he was the one who was in charge. He was the one who everybody listened to. He was the one who gave orders, um, and you were expected to show him much respect and listen to him. He ruled the roost, if you will. So to be rude and selfish to your own father at this time was unheard of. Most fathers, if you were that bold and rude and selfish, you would have expected blows to the face. Yes, they did that in that day. And you likely would be banished from the home for saying, Dad, I wish you were dead, give it to me now. Second cultural thing you need to be aware of, this is a land-focused time. Matter of fact, it's a land-focused culture even today. If you'll think about the Middle East today, most of the squabbles today, it's over land. You can't build here because this is our land. And, and because uh, a thousand years ago, this belonged to our ancestors. This, and, and the fights between primarily the Palestinians and the Jews today, it's primarily today still over land. It's mine. So, here's the point. For the father to give one-third of his estate to the son, it's likely he's going to have to sell some of the land in order to meet the son's demands. And to the listeners of Jesus' day here, as they're listening to this story from the lips of Jesus, the most shocking thing is the father actually agrees to the request. So, so they would have said, Okay, I, I could actually see somebody being that rude. I could see somebody being that selfish. But for the father actually to give in to that thinking, that would be shocking. For his son to wish him dead, he was rejecting his family. He was rejecting his community. Remember, he said, I want to get out of here. I want to be far away from you. That would have been humiliating and demeaning and disrespectful to the family, to the father, to the entire community. You can almost hear it. Did you hear about Harry? Can you believe it? His son asked for his inheritance before he was even dead. And you're not going to believe this, but Harry actually sold 2,000 acres of his land and sold 500 sheep to actually gather the funds to give to that selfish, spoiled brat. Can you believe it? Verse 13, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Let that soak in a little bit, okay? Seems clear, dad had a lot of money. There's servants, there's lands, there, we're going to see a feast at the moment's note. It seems dad was pretty wealthy, and now the younger brother proceeds to burn through his inheritance. He just burns through it. I'm sure he had a lot of hangers on. He had his little tribe with him, and they're saying, oh yeah, yeah, feed us again, another round on the house to everybody. He's just going crazy burning through his inheritance. Slide down to verse 30. 
because the older brother brings this up. He says, Dad, you're, you're going to celebrate this? This son of yours, won't even call him his brother, this son of yours has been involved with prostitutes with your money. So he was really involved in wild, sinful living. And I'm not sure how much he had. But I suspect it was a lot. I'm not sure if it was a quarter million dollars, or a half million, or two or three million, or it could have been ten million dollars. Equivalent money today. But however much he had, it wasn't enough to keep up with his excess. You understand, his appetite for wild, sinful living, however much he had, look at verse 15, it says, after he had spent how much, what does it say? He spent all of it, he spent everything he had, so however much he received, it was all gone. Million, five million, it was all gone. There's no financial plan is the point. He wasn't paying attention to his balance. He, he didn't have a budget. He wasn't listening to Dave Ramsey on the radio at that time. I'm just telling you, he, he, it seems he just didn't care. That's the idea. Didn't care. He was just going to blow through it. Why? Why didn't he care? Because all he cared about was wild, sinful living. That was his focus. And then the story takes a, a drastic, I would say dramatic, and I would also add a pretty predictable turn. Because what you sow is what? What you, okay, a few of you got it now. Uh, it's, it's a pretty predictable turn because he's been sowing wild, sinful foolishness and, and now he's going to reap uh, exactly what he sowed. Verse 14. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So up to this point, he was doing pretty well because he still, still had his inheritance. Verse 15, so the younger brother went and hired himself out to a citizen of that foreigner, foreign farmer who said, okay, I'll give you a job. Uh, your job is to babysit the pigs. Verse 16, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. A couple thoughts. This younger son was raised under the Jewish law, and Jewish uh, men and women were to have nothing to do with pork or pigs. You understand that. Uh, Leviticus 11, 2-8 Deuteronomy 14.8 are crystal clear. Law-abiding Jews, you don't sacrifice pigs to Jehovah God. Uh, Law-abiding Jews, you don't eat pigs. You don't swallow bacon. You don't go near ham. You don't go near barbecued ribs. You've got nothing to do with pig if you are a proper God-fearing Jews. Okay? They are an unclean animal is what the Old Testament says. Now, catch this, formerly proper Jewish man has become a pig sitter far from home, so hungry that even the pig slop looked tempting for him to eat. Anybody ever slop a pig? I want to see your hand. Can I hold up your hands? I, I've done it, not a lot, but I've done it enough to know. Here's my second question. Those of you who said you've slopped a pig, any of you ever tempted while you're taking the slop to the pig trough, 
to say, hmm, that looks really good. I, th- I think I'm going to have a little of the slop. Any of you ever taste of the slop as you're walking it out to the pigs? And, and here's what I recall. I held the slop in one hand and I held my nose in the other. It was bad stuff grandma fed to those pigs. I mean, it's like spoiled milk, doesn't matter. Uh, Eggshells, yeah, let's feed it. I mean, every, if she burnt biscuits, guess what? Pig slop, every nasty thing in the house that, in my opinion, deserved to be in the garbage, she gave to the pigs. So the fact that he's interested in eating the pig slop tells you where he's at right now, right? He's hit the bottom. (laughs) Uh, He smells like pig manure. Think with me now. His boots and clothes are covered in mud. I would argue he's crashed and burned. He's at the bottom. He's at the end of his rope. Now if you're here today, might as well take a little note. And, And here would be one of the principles that we need to catch from this passage here. So you might want to write that down back of your bulletin. You got a little spot there. You can take some notes. Here's the spot. Because some of you today, I would probably guess most of us here today, have somebody that we love who's living in wild, sinful living just like the prodigal here today. And and I just need to point this out. It's the smell of pig manure. It's... It's the, it's the idea that I want to eat of the slop that wakes up the prodigal and makes him come to his senses, verse 17. So, we, we look at this and we say, what a bad situation. But I would argue, no, no, it's a necessary situation for a prodigal to wake up and come to his senses. He's going to have to eat some slop. He's going to have to smell some manure. It's going to have to get bad for him to wake up and come to his senses. And the problem is, many times with our prodigals, we help them never to get to the point where they have to eat slop or smell manure, and therefore they never hit this point and they don't wake up and come to their senses. You tracking? Resist the urge, and there's an urge because we love our prodigal, resist the urge to rescue your prodigal before they wake up, before they come to their senses, and they're ready to repent and do it God's way. There's a time to celebrate, but it's not while they're still living far away and living in wild, sinful living. You don't celebrate that. You don't prevent them from waking up, and the way that they're going to wake up is they got to smell a little manure and eat a little slop. And that's really hard. But it's really necessary. Repentance involves, and this is what you see with this, this young prodigal, uh, our minds, our emotions, and our wills. So if someone's going to wake up and come to their senses, and they're going to do the U-turn and run back to the Father, it involves our minds. He comes to his senses, he starts thinking clearly. <laughs> I, I've been out of my mind for a while, but now things are starting to get clear. It involves our emotions. Verse 18, heartfelt sorrow you hear and you see. 
against for his sin, against his father. There's genuine sorrow, verse 18. And there's a will. In other words, he wasn't saying, hey mom and dad, would you wire me some money? Would you you send some cash so I can continue on in my foolishness? That's not what goes on. He does the U-turn. He runs back home. Runs back to his father and now is ready to live under the authority of his father. He runs home. He has a speech. Let's just look at it all rehearsed. Verse 18, Father, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy, verse 19, to be called your son. Uh, I'll go live in a nearby village. I don't expect to be uh, living in the house anymore. Just treat me like one of your hired hands. Here's the best part, verse 20. So he got up and he went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him. His father ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. (laughs) I love that part. I love that part. Uh, Verse 21, the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer... He's he's going with the speech, okay? Okay. The same father who was totally humiliated and disrespected by his son. Remember, he had to sell off one third of his estate to give to his son. He's been watching and praying for his boy to come home. Isn't that good? Father's been watching and praying. And when he sees him, he runs to his lost son. I love that picture. Runs. Now please understand, uh, patriarchal men, mature men in this society, they don't run. Uh, children run. Uh, young men might occasionally run. But, but somebody said uh, the mature men, they didn't run unless a wild animal was chasing them. Okay? That was the exception. They don't run because it wasn't dignified. You, you didn't, because you're, you're wearing a robe. In order to wear a robe, you've you got to lift up the robe and you've got to bare your leg and run. They didn't do that. That was a disrespectful thing to do. They didn't run in these days, but that didn't bother this father. He lifts up his robe and he runs toward the father. I don't believe he cared about his image right here. That wasn't what he was concerned about. He just wanted to get to his boy. Verse 20, Greek says... The father fell on his son's neck and kissed him. Isn't that good? Fell on his neck and kissed him. Verse 22. His father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe, put it on him. Maybe some people say, maybe his robe. Uh, Put it on him. That's probably the best robe. Put a ring on his finger. uh, Signet ring of the family. That means he's got the credit card back. Um... And sandals on his feet, bring the fatted calf, kill it, let's have a feast, let's celebrate. Why? For the son of mine was dead. He's alive again. He was lost. He's found. Let's celebrate. Ready to give the speech. Father, I've sinned against you. I'm not worthy. And the father says, time out. Stop. Unconditional love just has to be accepted, not earned. Understand, he was ready to go and earn love. And the father said, no, no, no. You've repented and come home. Unconditional love begins right now. I'll pay you back, Dad. Verse 22. 
I, I, I'll work hard for you. Uh, he gets a hug. He gets a kiss. He gets a robe. He gets a ring. He gets sandals. He gets his old bedroom back. And he gets a welcome home party. Isn't that good stuff? <laughs> he, he, he's expecting nothing, and yet the Father lavishes so much grace on His Son. I quote Pastor Tim Keller. God's love and forgiveness can pardon and restore any and every kind of sin or wrongdoing. There's no evil that the Father's love cannot pardon and cover. There's no sin that's a match for God's grace. It almost seems like this is too good to be true. Exactly. This Jesus showing us His unconditional, it's too good to be true. How could it be? This is exactly how our Heavenly Father treats us. Three things uh, as we close this morning. If you've been wandering far from God, here's what you need to know. Maybe you're here and you're in church, but you're kind of like that younger son was before he ran off. Uh, I can't wait to get out of here. I, I can't wait to wander. I can't wait to go do my old thing. Here's what you need to know. Uh, Jesus is waiting and watching for you to turn and come home. He's excited. I believe He's praying for you, and He's waiting for you, and it's okay if your life stinks and is messy. Catch this. Jesus came to seek and to save lost, stinky sinners. And you got to remember, oh yeah, that was me, that was you. That was me, that was you. Second, if you have a prodigal that you love in your life, and they're off far away, living in wild, sinful foolishness, I just got to say it again, resist the urge to catch them in their wild sinfulness. Uh, you got to let them eat some slop and smell some manure because it's that that will wake them up and bring them to their senses. And I just want you to know, if you see someone who's hooked on heroin and you feel bad and you give them money to go buy more heroin, that's not love. And some of us, we get this, we're all wound up and oh, I want them to like me and I don't want them to be upset with me. And I just want you to know, go see a good Christian counselor and get that all worked out, because that's not love. I wasn't planning on saying that. It wasn't even my notes. Third, the heart of the Heavenly Father is to reach out and accept the prodigals of this world who want to leave the smell of the manure and, and, and the sin. See, I, I'm not arguing that we... we, we excuse people, and, and it's wrong in, for us to say, oh, we're going to celebrate you while you're still in sin. But I want you to know, the Father says, as soon as you turn and want to come and do it my way, that's where we get excited and embrace and welcome them to the family. Make sense? So we get excited because Jesus is excited. I think Jesus is that, is that Father. It's the heart of the Father, God the Father, and God the Son as well. Which means, here's my point, Church, we can never forget that Jesus has washed, cleansed, purified us by His shed blood. But if we're not careful, here's the problem. We get, we get feeling pretty proper. Well, I'm, I'm clean and 
And I got my life cleaned up and I don't talk that way and, and I don't do some of those things anymore that, that this person was involved in and I'm not sure I want much to do with them. And we get feeling proper and superior and smug in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And sometimes we, we don't really want much to do with those people who are fresh off the pig manure and the slop. Can I, can I just say... Remind, that's exactly how all of us came home to Jesus. Okay? You, you, you might have been young, but, but I'm telling you, the potential was there, no matter what age you came to Christ, to be just like this son. So if you got saved young, then Jesus saved you from a lot of manure and a lot of slop. But that was there and in you and still. We get feeling superior, and I'm not so sure I want these smelly sinners a part of the church family. May we never forget that Jesus came to earth to seek and to save smelly sinners. We're not, we're not endorsing sin, not, not at all. We're talking about people who are ready to do it God's way and, and are wanting to do it God's way and now they want to walk with the Lord. Now we love on smelly sinners. Why? Because that's me. That's what Jesus saved me from. That's what Jesus saved you from. Might we never get so mature and proper in our faith that we forget where we came from. Jesus came to seek and to save lost people like all of us. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your loving, forgiving, restoring heart for sinners who want to come running to you and your son, Jesus. And no matter what we've done, you still are excited to see us. You welcome us. You embrace us. You kiss us. You make us a part of your family. I pray for those who are here today who have a prodigal in their life, in their family, that they love. They love deeply. Lord, would you help us to resist the urge to enable them to continue living in wild, sinful foolishness? Lord, we recognize that's not what biblical love looks like. And I pray for us as a church family that we'll never forget that we have been called to have a heart for sinners. And the reason for that is you have a heart for sinners. You care about people who are living in wild sinfulness far from you. And Lord, you're excited when they turn and they're ready to come home to you. Ready to live for you. So Lord, help us to have that same mindset in the church family here in Wallow. Help us to welcome, forgive, and celebrate folks who want to follow our Heavenly Father. Finally, as we close today, I just can't close without asking, could it be, even though you're here in church, you've been wandering far from Jesus? And perhaps today you realize, you know what? 
It's not been working out so well. I'm not enjoying the slop that I'm eating. I'm not enjoying the mud and the manure. And I'm, I'm ready to come to my senses and run to Jesus. And if that's you here today, i got great news. He'll run and meet you as you turn and move towards Him. That, that's, that's, he's still all about that. He'll run. He, he'll make you a part of His family. He'll restore you. He'll welcome you. And I just need to ask, is there anybody who's saying today, I'm ready to run home today. Won't embarrass you, I promise. Won't call you out. But I'd love to pray for you. Anybody ready to run home today? Anybody? Yeah. Uh, I, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Enough of this. I'm coming to my senses. Thank you, Lord, for working in each of our lives. Every one of us were stinky, smelly sinners when you welcomed us into your family. We rejoice over that. And I pray again that you'll keep us aware of your heart for the people around us. Thanks again for uh, each father that's here today, for each family. Thank you, Lord, for loving us so much. We love you back. Help us to live strong for you in this week ahead. It's in Jesus' name we pray.